Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12 and verses 1 to 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that you instruct us, but you do so much more. That you, by your Spirit, reach deep down. You change us and transform us and conform us to the image of Christ. Lord, use your word to do that in our lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I know you're all disappointed that we didn't sing Father Abraham this morning with all the hand motions. Um, I could have chosen a different sermon title, but hopefully you'll appreciate, even without the song, that, uh, that we either sang as children or we have at some point led other children to sing uh, at some point in our time. And it's going to be stuck in our heads all day now, I get that. Um, but it's, it's worth thinking about because in that song, the lyrics claim that Abraham had many sons, that I am one of them, and so are you. And what we may not realize, particularly when we were kids, is that this song is covenantal. There's some good covenant theology in this song, that you and I are sons and daughters of Abraham. It's true. We are all in Christ, by faith, children of Abraham. We're children of the promise given to him. That's what Galatians 3, the whole chapter, explains to us. Paul, in a sense, is exegeting Genesis 12 and thereafter, Genesis 15, Genesis 17 and on, explaining what covenant theology is in that chapter, that third chapter of Galatians. So I encourage you to read that this afternoon. At the end of chapter 3, this is the last verse, he says, If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. The Greek interprets and means exactly what it says in English, right? (laughs) It's indisputable. You and I are 
children of Abraham. We're children of the promise. It means exactly what we just read. As Abraham's offspring, we are heirs according to the promise, even though few, if any of us, are of direct lineage of Abraham. In explaining Genesis 12 to us here, he tells us what it means. What it means is we are the recipients of the promise that was given to him so long ago. Let me read from the middle of chapter 3 in verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Do you see how Genesis 12 is connected to us? This isn't some ancient story from way back that somehow feeds into this. This is a part of our own story. We are the sons and daughters of the promise, the sons and daughters of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. Now some of you are saying, of course we are. Why is he making a big deal about this? Well, if you grew up in a Reformed church or have spent most of your time in a Reformed church, this is no big deal. Of course we are. But there are many, including myself, who grew up in a church that didn't see things this way, that couldn't sing this song because we we, we were taught differently on this. There are some who hold that the promises that were given to Abraham are to the national or nation of Israel, to the literal nation of Israel, and to ethnic Jews alone. And they hold that while Christians are grafted in, that all of the promises belong to them alone and not to us. Of course, this becomes problematic for a number of reasons, more than we can go into today. But I simply want to say, read Galatians 3. If you want to understand Genesis 12, read Galatians chapter 3 this afternoon. Or consider what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is Jesus. That in Jesus, we are united to all the promises of God by faith. It wasn't just about a strip of land and about a nation. It was about so much more what God was doing in redeeming a people to Himself. Genesis 12 is of tremendous importance in understanding all of Scripture, the whole picture that we get, the redemptive history that is being spread out through the stories of the Bible. It's not the only part, it is just a part, but it is a key part in the unfolding of this story that began way back in the garden with the promise to Adam and to Eve that one day one would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And here we see the promise really begin to bloom. Now, we're coming back to that promise in Genesis 3 because that's where it was first announced. And we're going to continue to string all of this together so that we see this common thread that this isn't just a, this isn't like a history book with just a hodgepodge of stories and some genealogies that we have to suffer through trying to pronounce their names. There has been a thread that has been woven through all of this that I hope you've been able to hold on to and see as we've worked our way through each week that that thread is continuing and it's all leading us to Jesus Christ and the work that he accomplished. Here, that thread is beginning to bloom. Uh, it's, it's just a bloom. There are going to be other blooms. The real fruit is, again, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. That's where we're leading up to. 
And so with that in mind, let's begin to unpack what we see here in the life of Abram. It's Abram. It's going to be Abraham. God's going to add something to his name about that he's going to be the father of of a nation, a father of many nations. That's coming. Um, I know that it says Abram here. I'm going to say Abraham by default uh, many times, I'm sure. But we're talking about the same guy, even though that right here he's Abram. The first thing that we see in these first three verses is that God gives Abram some, a very special revelation. He comes and he speaks to him. And if you were to guess what is the theme of this revelation, what would your guess be? Something about blessing maybe, right? Do you see that word? It's there five times in these three verses. God is clearly emphasizing something of blessing to Abraham. God is going to bless him, but he's also going to make him a blessing. He's going to be a conduit of blessing. And as we say, but wait, there's more. Another thing that you may not see right away in in these statements is that there are seven of them. And as we've seen a number of times already, Moses is very intentional as he writes the book of Genesis using numbers like 7 and 10. We saw 10 in the first genealogy of Adam to Noah, 10 in the genealogy from Noah on to Abram. Right, We're seeing completeness here. The number of 7 doing the same thing. Here we see 7 statements. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you I will curse. And you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So those are the things that we're going to look at uh, these seven statements primarily this morning. But before he gets to that, you will notice that he gave him a command. He says, go, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. If you think about this, this is no small command. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your family. There's this increasing intensity that is building up. To leave one's country is certainly a big deal. To leave one's people would certainly be tougher, but the toughest would be to leave your father's house, to leave your family. And so then adding to this growing intensity of what he's calling them to, he says, to the land, so a specific place, but I'm not telling you, I will Show you. So it's to the land that I will show you. He doesn't tell him where he's going. He's going to have to follow God in faith without knowing the destination. John Calvin paraphrased Yahweh's command to Abram in this way I command you to go forth with closed eyes and forbid you to inquire where I'm about to lead you until having renounced your country, you shall have given yourself wholly. To me, Do you feel the weight of that, what's being asked of Abram? Martin Luther wrote of this in Latin, verbum nudum, the naked word of the Lord. That what Abram was being asked to do was to take God at His word, nothing else. The naked word of the Lord, stripped bare, just that. God says it, and I'm going to obey, without any of the details given in. And if you think about it, there's some pretty big details that are mentioned here that might lead you to scratch your head if you were Abram wondering how in the world this was going to be fulfilled. We've talked about this already, the biggest of which is a descendant. 
75 years, I'm already old. We don't have any children. We've been unable to have children. And you're going to make me into a great nation, let alone all these other things? You hear, though, in these words, in the weight of these words, something that sounds similar to us. The gospel call. Remember when Jesus said, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The call to Abram is a call to faith just as it is for you and I to follow the Lord in the promise of the gospel, to believe Him, to take Him at His word. We are trusting in someone we've never seen who accomplished something a long time ago to deliver on goods that we don't even know what they look like. We get glimpses from Scripture in what it looks like, but we don't have a lot of details. We are walking by faith. And in our lives, He often, I would say He rarely gives us the details of where we're going and what we're doing. He often leads us in ways and directions that we don't have all the details. But His promise is always, I will be with you and I will never forsake you. And so we too, in the call of Jesus to follow me, have that same type of command that Abram's experiencing here. We don't know what's in store. We don't know where He's going to take us. We don't know what He's going to require. But He promises us Himself. The blessings that are promised to Abram are then listed. These are the seven that I wrote, uh, read to you earlier. And yet, again, the details, are God doesn't elaborate. Abram's 75 years old is what we're told in verse 4. They're without children, and yet God says to him, I will make of you a great nation. We say this again, but you ha- I mean, this is big. How in the world is this going to happen? How is a nation, a great nation, to come from someone who doesn't have children? And from what we can tell, at least not in Scripture, God doesn't tell him. He just says, I'll do it. God tells Abram that he would make his name great. Do you remember back when we were in the story of Babel? What was one of the sinful desires of the people of Babel in what they were trying to do and build a tower? They wanted to do what? To make a name for themselves. But here we see it's God who is going to make a great name for Abram. The pronoun, if you count them up here in our text today, you, is used a dozen times. The emphasis here is that God, he says, I will, over and over and over, and he's directing it to Abram, you, you, you. You're going to be the recipient, I'm going to be the actor, I'm going to do it all. You're just going to walk by faith. I'm going to deliver the goods. That's what God's emphasis is here. And that is extremely covenantal in terms of our understanding. Yahweh then says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. Before Christ comes, all the believing descendants of Abraham are looking forward to that Messiah who would come and bring redemption. And for us who follow the cross, we're all looking back to Jesus as the source through which Uh, that redemption was accomplished. And as that, a source of blessing and a source of judgment. And then in the final picture, we see in the announcement to Abram, in you, all the families of the world will be blessed. I'm I'm going back to Galatians 3 a lot this morning because again, Paul, he's exegeting Genesis 12 in many respects. In verse 8, he says, And the Scripture 
foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations will be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, again, over and over, he's repeating this theme. You and I, you, I'm one of them and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. We're all children of Abraham, children of the blessing. He would indeed have many sons. We are all ones by faith. The redeeming work of God in saving a people to Himself and all who believe. And this is why we must continue to stay committed to gospel proclamation both in the pulpit, but also in our very lives, in missions, in an effort to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, because God is at work accomplishing this task. Then we get to verses 4 to 9, and we get a bit of a narrative describing his journey. We don't get a lot of details. We get some details. There's a lot that's left out, like how he got there and how the Lord directed him, like this is the spot where you're going to. But God accomplished all of that, and he got him to the land of Canaan that he had promised him. Verse 4 states, So Abram went out as the Lord told him. He obeyed God. He's trusting him here. He's trusting in his word alone, and he goes out. The journey is no short one. It's no easy one if you've ever been in that part of the world and thinking where he's journeying to. And there certainly were many questions along the way. And these are questions that I think resonate with us in different seasons of life, where you know the Lord has led you to a place. You know that He is caring for you and providing for you, but it still doesn't make sense. You're still scratching your head. You think, why are you doing this, Lord? This doesn't make any sense. How long will you take, Lord? Why do I have to wait so long? We're not always given the details of how each day will unfold. So we too are to walk by faith, trusting God, to do all that He intends according to His will. But frankly, it is hard. (laughs) It's hard some days. Some days it's lonely. You may feel like you and you alone are walking with God. And some days it's painful and there's suffering. But you're not alone. And we can look back to Abram who walked by faith, who who was giving these incredible promises, and God delivered. So you take that with you to bed tonight when you lay down on your pillow. You take that with you to bed and know that God will deliver for you as well. It's also at times like this that we must remember the words of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. He has not only promised that far-off hope to raise us up on the last day. But He has promised us Himself along the way, the bread of life, the daily bread that we need. He is with us. When Abram gets to Canaan, we see that he passes from the land from north to south. This is a literal journey that that he's taking, but it's also symbolic of what God is doing and what God will do. 
the land isn't empty. This isn't just a, hey, here's a new spot of real estate ready to build your you know, dream home on. There, there's a problem. The Canaanites are already there. That's what verse 6, 6 tells us. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. But God comes to Abram in verse 7 and says, To your offspring I will give this land. There, this is a, a bit of a mixed bag here. Think about it. The land is going to be yours, but really not yours. It's going to be your offspring's. So Abram's not even going to get to see the deliverance of this promise, and yet he continues to walk by faith. Look at what his response is. What is Abram's response? He builds an altar. He worships God. He thanks God, even though he's not going to see the deliverance of all these promises. And it's a good reminder for all of us as we live our lives that we walk by faith, that we serve our Lord, not knowing when and how the fruit will be born. Most of us want our lives to make an impact, a great impact for Christ's kingdom. And yet we do this in, fruit, in faith because we don't control when the fruit comes out. We have our dreams. This is what life's going to look like. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to do that. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for that. But how many stories have been told throughout history of great men and women of God who were shaped by godly parents, faithful Sunday school teachers, and others in the church? You may not be the one to have the epic life, but you may be praying for the one who will. You may not be the one that's going to have the deep impact that you dream and long for, but you may, be, you may know that person, you may be speaking into their life. You may be giving them the words of encouragement they need right now. You may be praying for them when they seem lost and far away. You trust God with the results. How many testimonies have been made of godly grandmothers praying for their children? Pray, 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 and trust God with the fruit. We live faithfully, we walk in faith, but we trust Him who keeps all of His promises to deliver on the goods. We cannot be distracted by the shattered dreams, by the discontent, by the lack of results that we wish we had, good things that we desire, because God is faithful. We have to trust Him alone. And so from north to south, Abram journeys through the land, building altars, worshiping Yahweh, thanking Him for the promises to Him, even though He's not going to see all the deliverance. We will see, though, how He does answer some of these promises. Abram's going to get to see some. It's going to be through his son, a great nation will come, and through this nation would come the law. And even in their disobedience, God would maintain a faithful remnant of those who believed in Him. By grace, each of His own would be saved through faith. And then the day would finally come when through that nation, God would send His Son, born in the flesh, born of a woman as promised, and born under the law. And even more remarkably than all the promises being kept would be how the promise would unfold. The deliverer would come not as an earthly king in power, but as a lowly baby. And he would come with one mission. He would come to die. To die. To give his life as a ransom for many. To atone for your sin and my sin so that we could become the recipients of the promise given to Abram. And in doing so, he would then conquer sin and death. We looked at Hebrews 11 last week and we saw how Abraham looked to a city whose foundations were built by God. It was a city that was far off, a city that he knew was his true reward. It wasn't an earthly city. It was a heavenly city. 
And his faith, as Hebrews defines it, is as our faith. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And like Abram, we too are to look beyond our present earthly conditions, beyond our circumstances, beyond our suffering, beyond our shattered dreams, beyond our own sins and the sins done to us. We are to look beyond it all to the reward that awaits us. Because of the promise of God and the fulfillment in Jesus Christ that all the nations of the world would be blessed, you and I are the recipients of that blessing. You and I are the recipients of this promise that the, the, the hope of the gospel would come. We, as a result, can sing with the psalmist who wrote, this is the shortest psalm in the whole Psalter, Psalm 117. We're not literally going to sing it, I'm just going to read it. This psalm, Psalm 117, is known as the Gentile psalm. The psalm of the nations is what it's called. The psalm of the goyim, which is Hebrew for nations. Psalm 117, listen to the gospel announcement. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Because God keeps His promises, His faithfulness and His love that endures forever has come to you and to me, who were not born in the line of Abraham, but were a far-off people, dead in our trespasses and sins, unable to save ourselves. That good news, that message of hope in the gospel came to you and me so that now we are the children of promise and we can call Him Father Abraham. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that You keep Your promises. Thank You that Your words are true, that they're reliable, that even when it doesn't make sense, what You said You will do, You will do. And we can look back to a person like Abram and see that You do deliver on the goods, even when it seemed impossible. And so I pray for those today who are facing things that seem impossible that seem upside down, that seem backwards, that they can't make sense of, that they will look to you in faith and walk with you in faith, trusting you to deliver them, to bring them to that great reward, that city whose foundation is built by you, knowing that you will complete what you've started and you will finish the good work in us. Lord, strengthen our faith as we walk through difficult times that we would trust you deeply and completely, that we would love you, and that we would know that we are loved by you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.